Lord, we ask this evening that somebody be healed. We ask that somebody receive direction. We ask that everyone here will receive understanding. For those of us that you correct, Lord, we receive correction. We receive rebuke in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you'll be doing here. Above all, let Jesus be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Let's invite our brother Felix to take the Bible reading. Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bible to the book of Psalms. Psalm 19. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day, pause forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than such fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them their servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquaint me of hidden faults. Also keep back thy servants from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquainted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, the Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All the time. If you believe, give me an amen. Amen. There's a way we declare the word of God and want to start studying. You'll find it on that first page. Scan it now. We're going to start declaration together. All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. He knows spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. 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 One more time. Amen. That will be your testimony today in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you light. It will give you direction. Amen. It will give you wisdom to solve difficult problems. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things I like about the word is, at least happens to me, and I've had so many testimonies from other people. You just get this understanding on how to make a decision. 
Yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Sometimes I finish teach, preaching here. Let me preach you. Let me preach you. Instantly, I make a decision. There's a day I did something. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about doing something. Then I preached here and I said, never try to promote yourself. And instantly I realized that what I was doing was trying to promote myself. It just helped me with the decision. I knew I was trying to promote myself. So today, understanding will come to you. Amen. And you will make the decision that is pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Everything you have to do in life, one is pleasing, one is displeasing. You say, let me just say something before you sit down. That is spirituality. To know that which is pleasing and that which is not pleasing. You know, a man talked to me at that time. He said so many things about the nation, things that need to be corrected and all of that. At the end of the day, as he was talking, I wasn't even understanding him well. He was speaking at length with a lot of passion. And I was getting confused. And he was talking to me one-on-one. So I just prayed. I said, Lord, what do I tell this man? As soon as he was done talking, I said, ah, this is the answer, sir. Young men need to be taught how to make the right decisions. And he paused. Listen to me, spirituality is not a I prayed as God spoken to me. Spirituality is that do I know how to make decisions that are pleasing to God based on scriptures, not I finish praying, then my spirit said go to the left. Those things only happen when there's no clear, no direction, like blue or white. Which one should you take? The Bible may not talk about that, so Holy Spirit may have to tell you. Alright? But should somebody else pick before you, you don't need anybody, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you that. The Bible says, prefer one another in love. That is simple. You take examples of people like Abraham. Anyway, what am I saying? Today, insight, revelation, understanding, how to make the right decisions, it will come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. By the time you are living here today, you will be clearer in knowing what is right to do about that situation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, by God's mercies, I hope to happen. We'll finish this series we have been on, building up your faith today. And um, I trust the Lord will help us to finish what we have been trying to introduce for some time on the matter of the words that we speak. Let's go by it again. Four important areas where I said we can deliberately. Now, I've been using the word deliberately. Those are things that are like what we call low-hanging fruits, all right, in planning. Those are things that God puts within our capacity that you do this. When it gets to the big things, I will do those things. Like we emphasized again and again that if anything appears hard, that nothing in following Christ Jesus is hard. He said, my yoke is easy, and what? My burden is light. That is a matter of fact. If you see Daniel go to the lion's den, if you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face the fiery furnace, Jesus said, it is light. Are you getting my point? It is for those who are observing from outside that some of those things appear very difficult. The fact is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And how can you say somebody facing the fiery furnace is light? It's simply because Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That is, if you ask somebody like Mishael, how did you face the fiery furnace? That's Meshach. He will say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Facing difficult situations is by God's grace, not by your own power. So when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, to those looking from outside, it does not look like that. Okay? It's like going to a man like Samson. And you say, Samson, how did you carry, which gym did you go to? No, let's talk about it. How did you manage to carry the gate of a whole city all by yourself? And you didn't just carry it and throw it down. You carried it up a hill. Hey, hey. Waiting. You don't need anybody to tell you. Everybody else knew it was not humanly possible. So, carrying it, is it easy, humanly possible, that's humanly speaking? No. 
But for Samson was it hard? It was not hard. And that's what I want Christians to understand. Samson did not find carrying that thing difficult. It was not heavy as far as Samson was concerned. If it was heavy, why would he try to do that? It was simple for him. That was just when they looked at the gate, yanked it up, put it on his shoulder, and ran up a hill. Not a big deal. Now, because everybody knew it was not humanly possible, they now went and asked, what is the secret of your strength? There had to be a secret to it. Like, of course, if you have thought about it, you know it to be a matter of fact. Samson was not very muscular. He wasn't. He was not Arnold Schwarzenegger at all. He was not Lehani. He was not Hulk Hogan. He wasn't at all. He was a normal guy like you and me. I suspect I may have been bigger. I may be bigger now than Samson was. I suspect, all right? Maybe he looks more like Israel. You understand this? The junior Israel. Maybe, you know, so that any average Philistine would think I will wound this guy. Until the Spirit comes upon him. That's the point I'm making. To do great things, all right, the Spirit had to come upon him. Do you follow my point? You see a man like this, all right, take the gate of this complex and yanks it off the pillars. You, you, you don't need to say, man, this guy is strong. You say, oh boy, what spirit is he using? It's automatic. I hope you get my point. Your, your mind just knows. And that's how it was with Samson. And let's not forget, that's how it's supposed to be with us Christians also. We will do great things, not by our power. Great faith is an impartation of the Spirit. There's no method for it. But God says, I have given you little things to do. Like Samson, watch where you go. If you haven't read my book, um, Beyond Gifts and Talents, please go and read the book. All right? Samson was killed by Delilah simply because the big things did not depend on him. It depended on small things that he did. So Delilah just came and attacked the small things. So the great things stopped happening in his life because the grace was no longer being supplied. That's how come Delilahs are very powerful because they don't go for the big things also. It's a spiritual principle. They also know that let's go for the small things. All right? And we undermine the, the fellow's ability to do that, which is great. So let's bear that in mind. So what are the little things that God has given to us to do? It's easy. These things are easy things. Number one, we've said it. Anytime something happens in your life, look, try to explain it from the scriptures. Number two, have your life, your expectations for life built on the word of God. Number three, that's what we've been on. That is the precepts, okay, that you operate by. Just learn God's word. I'm getting married. What does it mean to be a Christian husband? It's not hard. It's like going to school. It's like learning physics, biology, civic education, computer science, basic things in secondary school. What does God expect a Christian husband to behave like? A Christian wife, I should learn it. I should, that day I'll just sit down and be learning. You know, someone, one of the things, sometimes I tell my wife something, I say, a lot of Christian wives, they do something. You know, let me, now this sounds very funny, right? And I know a lot of you are awake now. Once I talk about marriage, everybody, the ones who are dozing will wake up. The spirit will come upon them. <laughs> but it's a matter of fact. I said, I said, I said to a lot of women that you spend a lot of time trying to defend yourself rather than trying to submit. That is, you can't, that is, there's a situation now. Ah, I want my children and I to travel during this Christmas. So you know what people do? Women gather, actually, and they tell themselves how to persuade your husband. Do you know that is evil a statement? That statement is evil. The heart is wrong. I don't know. Are you getting my point? Let me give you a word. That is what is called witchcraft. You don't have to go to the coven and be dancing half naked before you become a witch. You can use this Bible to turn yourself into a witch. You hear things like, you cook for him. 
you will rub his back. Those are all witchcraft principles. Every single one of them. None of them godly. You know why? The motive is wrong. The motive is what? Manipulative. You even hear many people teach how to talk to your husband. And they are still witching. They are still on the witching trip. Because the whole thing is what? How to get what I want. When it comes home, you put your knee down and say, my husband, how was the day? And then you cook his best meal. Jezebel, Delilah, that was the same thing they did. So don't think you are a Christian. You think Delilah got that thing, arguing with something? You think Delilah got the secret of his strength, arguing with him? You will tell me today or you will not touch me. He didn't try that. She didn't try that. She also rubbed his back, cooked his best meal, mixed his wine, all of it witchcraft. So we're finished with that. Nobody's a witch in this house again, amen? And many of you were until now. I mean, just deliverance I just conducted. <laughs> the Lord is good. It's not your fault. It is what they preach. It is what, it, it, even what okay, has organized seminar on teaching women witchcraft. <laughs> Pastors do it all the time. They don't know it's wrong. That's the truth. They don't know it's wrong. Well, what does the Bible say? You should settle down and say, how do I... Now listen to this. How do I drop this my desire and not feel bad? That is what is Christianity. Not how do I manipulate to have it done. I don't want to teach you married now. You see what the Bible says. Very, very different from what they practice. But the point I'm making is this. We'll go there and go and learn. We'll go there and go and learn. You learn how do I stop nagging. That is, it's, a, it's, it's not, you know, ah, I'm still sitting on it. Many people, you know, you know we don't understand our, our assignment. Women gather a lot of times to learn how to manipulate in peace. But it's not Christianity. They're supposed to settle down, you know, you know, and learn how to submit. There's a difference between submitting and man. You know, I'm sorry to say this. Ninety percent. I've heard people teach. I said this is not Christianity. This is witchcraft. People are teaching these women, and it sounds so scriptural because when they get in there, is how do I get what I want without having to nag? How do I get what I want without having to cause trouble in the house? How do I? But the Bible says, what should you learn? How do I stop wanting what I want? That's the word of God. Aha. Uh-huh. Thank you for that thunderous silence. And now, of course, you go and think. And now you are thinking. So, what do we do? We settle down and learn. I own a business. There is a way the Bible says a Christian boss should be. There's a way. More and more. Please, let me take the first announcement now. Our business by the Spirit is next weekend. There will be no flyer. We ain't going to wrangle with any jingles, nothing. This is announcement you have heard is the first. You hear a second one at the end. You hear another one on Tuesday. Then on Friday, we'll be here. And on Saturday, we'll be here the whole day. So it's going to be titled what? Business by the Spirit. You say, why didn't you announce it before? It's only for in-house people. If your friend comes with you, we won't drive him. Don't worry, we won't drive her. It's just that we're not trying to promote the programs that people will now come. You know, human beings are very covetous. They won't come and hear the word. When you say, how do you do business, they will come. And those are the people I don't want. <laughs> do you get my point? So let those of us who have been studying the word of God together, let's just get some practical things out to help us in the way we run our ministries. 
Now, when I say ministry now, I know what I mean. Because everything, that's actually why I got into that. Because one of the things that Christians must learn is that every job they have in life is a ministry. Everything you're doing is a ministry. All right? So you're supposed to learn as a believer, how do I run my business ministry? Some of us have a preaching ministry. Motherhood is a ministry. In fact, like I said, I'm back to marriage matter now. Being a husband is a ministry. It's an assignment. One of the jobs a woman has to do, a man also has it, but I just want to say, say, say something about women for, for a moment, is that they must learn how to provoke the anointing that that office carries. It's an office. No, Jesus was anointed. You know that? Was he anointed or was not anointed? I mean, both from the testimonies and then from the scriptures. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was anointed heavily, but he went to his own hometown. And how many who did he heal with serious sicknesses? None. He touched only a few sickly people. They were not so ill. You know, mother of, uh, you know, Peter with headaches, stuff like that. That was all he touched, and then they were fine. But people who, you know, open blind eyes, stuff like that, raised the dead, not in their own hometown. Was it because he was not anointed? No, Sammy. What was the reason? On his part? On whose part? The receiver's part. So as a wife, you can kill the anointing on your husband. It doesn't mean he's not anointed. You can kill it. You will utter two sentences, you will become foolish like Naba. And you will not ever suspect that you are the reason. So anytime he says something, he's never right. Yes, how can he be right? I know hometown people are the most serious killers of anointing. The person that can kill a husband's anointing the most is a husband is a wife. The woman, the man wake, wake up in his morning in the morning and the Holy Spirit will still be sleeping on his bed. The Holy Spirit can't get up. Because the woman has killed the anointing. It's possible. No, read your Bible. Those who killed his anointing the most were the people in his own hometown. They were like, ah, hey, I hear you are now doing miracles. Jesus, now wow. You do learn that in carpentry. I always knew you were odd. His, whole, his cousins, his relatives, his neighbors couldn't get anything. That is why the man will go out, utter words of wisdom, and people's lives will change. He get, comes home, he can't say one thing right. Why? It's hometown now. It's called hometown effect. I'm telling you the truth. People don't realize it. This is a very, maybe we should do marriage by the Spirit also. After business with the Spirit. <laughs> They don't realize it. See, everything in life has its own risks. The risk of familiarity is the killing of anointing. That the way you are too familiar with somebody, you will kill the anointing. You, you can't, that is, when I say you can't help it, that is natural. You have to work extra to get over it. So you will tell yourself, this man, as much as I know you well, I've seen you clothed and naked. I refuse to be your hometown's man. Deliberately. That is, I, I wake up in the morning, I build my faith that, no, I will not despise the... Listen to me. That is why you activate grace that was sent to you. It is possible for God to send grace to somebody, to, you know, to somebody, and the person won't receive it. That's why I said he came onto his own, and his own did not receive him. It happens. God will put grace upon him and go to your home. Listen, go and read the story of Michael. Michael's problem in the Bible was that she was the most familiar to David, with David. That was her problem. 
That was her problem. Everybody, the Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says that David blessed the whole of Israel. Then he returned to bless his household after they had brought the, the, the ark back. That his anointing was flowing. He had danced and danced and danced. He was dancing. The woman was getting angry. Then when he returned to bless his household, what did he meet? Unbelief on her part. Blocked all the anointing the man came home with. And the Bible commented. And therefore, she did not bear all the deals of her life. That's a serious comment. What was her problem that other people had not faced before? Hannah faced the, comment, the problem, overcame it. Manuel's wife faced the problem, overcame it. Elizabeth faced the problem, overcame it. All over the people were overcoming the problems. But in Michael's case, too much familiarity with David. And the whole of Israel can be worshipping you as king in this house. As I tell your wife, stop calling your husband my baby. It's a very stupid comment. It's worldliness. I told my wife, don't call me your baby. I'm not your baby. Akilu is your baby. Benga is your baby. I'm not your baby. I'm your husband for goodness sake. Why do you take pride in stupid things? Why don't you enjoy the other one? He said, well, I'm trying to be free. Why must your freedom lead you into worldliness? Why can't you use freedom to kneel down on both rows, on both knees, in the market to greet? When you are free, is 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 uh, what you call bad behavior your freedom allows you to do. Can't you see that you're walking in sin? I'm free. Honestly, I'm free. One day I met my chief at the airport. A woman was my chief. I went to pick her from the airport. I prostrated in the parking lot in the airport. She said, Banky, stop embarrassing me. I said, Oga, you are my chief. I won't say because we are both pathologists now. You now come out. just say, Madam, how now? There's no Madam, how now? That is freedom. That means I'm free. Oh, Lord. Let me stop because if I don't, <laughs> if I don't stop, this will become our marriage by the Spirit Seminar. Let's get back to our message. So like we're saying, so we deliberately, we deliberately go and learn some of these things. They may not come to us naturally. So what are the precepts? The precepts by which I run my business as a Christian, I have to learn it. It may not be what everybody else is practicing, but it's something I deliberately cultivate, all right? The precept by which I run my career, I have to learn it. And please, let me say it again. Christianity is radical. Christianity is self-denial. You may have to do things that everybody else will think you are foolish, but that's what Christianity is. Until you have been thought of as foolish a few times, your Christianity is still shaky. Is when people start making decisions that do not fly with the common trend. That is when you know that really you are walking in Christianity. And you're not trying to be foolish, actually. To you, what you are doing is reasonable. Like I was saying earlier, Samson doesn't think the, the, didn't think the gate was heavy. It's not as if he finished, he finished with the gate. I was panting. <laughs> I almost died. No. He dropped the gate and continued like nothing happened. Do you follow my point? Why? Because he was walking by grace. So in the same manner, when the grace of God enlightens your heart, you will make decisions that until somebody points out the foolishness of it to you, so it's not foolish. Why? It's in line with how you have been trained. All right? Whether something is foolish or wise depends on the amount of training you have had. So if you have been training with the, training with the word of God, it will look to you like sound decisions. Okay, those things will look to you like sound decisions, but to the people who have not been trained with the word, it will look like you are doing something that is foolish. That's what we are talking about here. So, we deliberately do those things, and like I said, these are low-hanging fruit when it comes to Christianity and faith. That is, just settle down, learn. What did God say? What did he say? How should we do it? It may not look nice, I mean, to the flesh, but if that's what he has prescribed, then we follow that. We train ourselves in small things. And the big things we take care of themselves. And last of all, which is what we are talking about now, is the words that we speak. 
Those words are important. We must again deliberate. Remember we are talking about things we can do what? Deliberately. Now, there's something the Lord Jesus Christ talked about, and that's what I want to pick up from today. When, if, if you check uh, where we read just now, um, our Bible reading, Psalm 19, all right. Hmm? Yes, yeah, Psalm 19. There are some things that you see. He said from verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It said, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. He now said to us, the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Now, there's one I want to read. One verse. Yeah, verse 11. So he now said in verse 11, Moreover, by them thy servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, what I wanted from there is what he, when he said, thy servant is warned. That these are things thy servant will go out to go and learn. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, that's what we do. Now, please bear this in mind. I was going to quote something the Lord Jesus Christ said. And he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, two things I want to talk about today. Number one, filling the heart with abundant truth. And number two, I'm talking about the concept again, which we began last time of acceptable words, which he told us here in the last verse, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Let me quickly review that. I said anytime we speak, we can be saying things that are acceptable before God, or we may be saying things that are not acceptable before God. If you remember, I think it's in Philippians chapter 1, that Paul says something to us, that we are supposed to learn to approve the things that are excellent. She's Philippians, right? Yes, around chapter, where verses 9 and 10, chapter 1. So verse 9, it says, And this I pray that your love may abound, abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Let me just stop reading that one there. Now, bear it in mind. He said that you may approve the things that are excellent. I was making a statement, all right, from what Paul, uh, David said, that let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I was saying that anytime you speak, what you are saying can be acceptable or the opposite in the eyes of God. Now, I needed to put that last phrase, in the eyes of God, because to the world, it may be how they feel may be different. What we believers are going for is how something sounds as far as God is concerned. Now, when the Bible uses the word acceptable, it doesn't mean passing. Let me quickly emphasize that. When we use the word acceptable as far as God is concerned, what it means is not what you and I we call acceptable in the natural realm. For example, you go to the tailor, he makes a dress for you. And then he says, how is the dress? You say it's acceptable. Now, what that means is that it's not really what you like. Do you get my point? But because you need it for tomorrow morning, you just have to manage, like we say in common English, what you have. Now, that's not what the Bible means when it says acceptable. When it says acceptable, as far as God is concerned, only one thing is acceptable. I hope you get my point. Only one thing is acceptable with God, and that is that which is perfect. Let me explain it further. If you bring a sacrifice before God, it is acceptable 
only if he fits his prescription. He will tell you the animal must be without blemish. That is what is acceptable. It doesn't mean what is manageable the way we talk about it. It means what will God accept. Now, so we're not talking about just passing by. We're talking about doing that which is perfect in the eyes of God. Now, the words that we speak are like that also. It is not everything that we say that God likes to hear. It is not everything that we say. that it, When we utter our, our, um, utter our words with our mouth, we have a choice to deliberately, and this will surprise you if I say it, God has a specific list of things that you can say, and you can't go beyond that list. Now, don't think because words are so many, the number of words you can use in God's presence are just as varied. It's not really true. There are millions of words, quite all right. I'm not saying there are just five or ten, but they have a limit. The world, one of the things it does is to introduce things that God does not accept and try to make them become normal. Do you understand? Now, it's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. That is, for example, if they want um, to make homosexuality look normal, they give a new word to it. They call it gay. Do you get my point? Now, that word is not acceptable as far as God is concerned because it was a word that existed, had a different meaning, but it's been corrupted. It's a word to him that calls good evil and evil good. All right? That is, when you take what is wrong and you place a word on it that connotes it is acceptable, that is very wrong. That is iniquity. And God says, woe to you if you do stuff like that. For example, a, a young man, one day we were talking. You know, one of the things that young men do, like instead of saying somebody is a thief, you say he's 419 or he's, um, use other words, Yahoo. You use words to, you know, trivialize the fact that this guy is a crook and he should go to jail. So if we just call him the right word, that guy is a thief. You know, less, fewer people will go there. But when we remove the proper word, we now use you know, acceptable, you know, in, in the colloquial sense now, words that are more okay. So people just accept it. So say the guy is, is a sharp guy. The idea is this. Even though he's a thief, even though he steals, even though without a gun, we don't want to say he's a thief. We will say that the man is so intelligent, he's taking advantage of his intelligence to make money. We deliberately jump one point, he's defrauding people, he's stealing from people, he's ruining lives. That's what I mean. If we would just call it the way it is, what does that boy do? Ah, the boy is a tifo. You don't want to just say it like that. <laughs> you know, all of these discussions will come to an end. They use words like, is it a, tell them, what does that guy do? They say he's a male prostitute. Don't call him a risk to anything. Is a male prostitute. You know, for a few guys, few guys will stop that rubbish. You know, what the world does is so they calm these things down. They don't talk about, in fact, they, they, when they want to campaign for um, homosexual marriages, they call it marriage equality. They take words and take things that are wrong, baptize them with good words. It's a trick, as I was saying to you. It's a trick of the world. And one of the ways you keep yourself from doing iniquity is to call things the way they are. This is stealing. So, boy, we should go and... They don't say that, let's go and bypass uh, this emitter. Say, let's go and steal their power. If you use the words like that, you know, the Holy Spirit will be able to talk to you quick. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point here. Now, so, 
In everything we say, there are words that God accepts. That's what I was beginning from. And the duty of a believer is to go and learn them. That's my emphasis for today. Go and learn acceptable words. Unfortunately, I have to go back because the best example, really, to the area of marriage, again, as an example. Now, my wife and I will talk about this those days, and many of you have heard me teach about it. I said, have you noticed that the word that most people think, and listen, you have to condition yourself in this life. You know what they call conditioning? That is, for example, I don't watch football. It's conditioned. As a young man, to me, I liked football. But I realized I was going to die, so I stopped watching football. Yes, because if, if Nigeria is playing, if any team I'm supporting is playing, I get a fever. And I don't mean as a joke. I'm t- my heart will be beating like this. You know, I, I look at coaches who sit on the pitch. I say, how do you guys manage? And if they just chewing gum and be looking like nothing, I'm acting like, you guys have a spirit I don't have. So now I don't want to enjoy football anymore. It's just a decision I made. Like, look, you are watching final UEFA Cup, you know, World, World Cup. They've been playing World Cup finals if I didn't even know. Because it started when I realized that this is not the recipe for long life and prosperity. I get too emotionally attached to any team I'm supporting. So that's why I try my best to just close my ears and just go away. All right? But why I'm giving the example is that, so as of today, I'm the opposite of a football fan. I'm not against football, though. But if you are playing, I don't even notice. It's called conditioning. You can condition yourself to enjoy some things. It's possible. I'll give this illustration that till now, well, somebody has answered it for me, which is why I'm talking about it. I didn't understand why anybody should drink beer. Beer, you know, beer. Now, I'm not trying to preach to you the soul that drink it, it shall die. That's not what I'm going to say. I'm trying to say that it has a foul taste as far as I'm concerned. And I was just curious, why do men sit down? You see them sit down and tarry at the bottle like the Bible says. <laughs> <laughs> Until one of my colleagues, I was just bringing it up like this, like I'm doing now, one day in the office, I was just, we were talking about it. And he said to me, he said, Oga, it's a taste you learn. You did not learn it at the right time. The moment he said it, I got my answer. He said, look, there's a time you cultivate the culture of drinking beer, drinking, you know, the black stout, you know, that at that time you were going to church. You were singing in the spirit. <laughs> so it has passed you by. Sorry. Next life, maybe God will allow you to discover it. Are you getting my point? The point is I said it's an acquired taste. And that didn't stuck with me that we can, we can actually, you know, decide to enjoy some things and refuse to enjoy some other things. In this life, that's what we do with our lives. Just, you know, programming ourselves, reprogramming ourselves. When the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed. That's what it's talking about. The word mind there is not just talking about your thoughts. It's talking about the process of reasoning. When the Bible talks about your thoughts, it talks about heart. But mind talks about how you process things. So you are transformed by how you, that is in the way you process information. For example, what you call good. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your interpretation of what you call good. You understand what I'm saying? That is a good example. Who is a better friend? The one that invites you to come and make money 
or the one that invites you to come and give money. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Any money, making money is not bad. Both of them are good. But it says, if your friend calls you and says, listen, ah, um, uh, John, I heard you just made some money. That's good. There are two boys who are doing, they are supposed to be doing their um, exam next week, for maybe SSCE and JAMP, and their parents can't pay. In fact, the, the father goes, they, they, are, they are even out of a home right now. You're talking about paying for SSCE exam. So I know you just earned some money last week. Oh boy, bring the money. That's a friend, right? There's another friend that says, oh boy, that money you brought, if you give it to these people, they will double it for you in a year, and in two years. Then you'll be able to make some more money. Both of them are friends. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give. So you should appreciate the man that calls you when there's an opportunity to be a blessing, more than the person that calls you when there's an opportunity to receive. It doesn't feel natural to the body, does it? But it's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it. These are the words of Jesus himself. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Again, it's something we learn. You know, I was giving marriage as an example. So I tell people, I said, in our culture, we've learned that when you want to see a very, you know, very good couple, a woman that's very, very close to her husband, calls him honey, sugar, what else? My baby, iniquity. <laughs> are you getting my point? I said, but as sweet as those things are, and listen, honey is not bad. Is anybody called honey in the Bible? Because songs of Solomon use a lot of dramatic words. But I know my beloved, my love, is what he uses. Did he say honey at any point in time? I will check it after. Remind me. If that's your assignment, man of God, go and find out whether the Bible calls anybody sweetie, sugar, you know, anything like that. Now, it's a, it's a cultural thing. But even the Bible is in my beloved. All right? You see that in um, Songs of Solomon. Okay? Okay? And if you see even God talked about it. But in everything... He said, when he wanted to give commendation, the only person the Bible commended was Sarah. And he said, because she called her husband, my Lord. And for a long time, I had finished writing the book, Should I Say Yes, before I finally got the meaning of the word, my Lord. Because I was trying to bring that, because that is an archaic way of speaking, that is old terminology. So I said, what is the modern equivalent of that? So I kept on wondering. Then finally I got it. It's the way people addressed their bosses. It's the way slaves addressed their masters. Are you getting my point? The modern word is sir. So if you, that these days now you get to the office, the word you use is what? Sir. Now, let's not get back to it. You know, if a woman, if a... If a man calls her his wife and she says, sir, which village do you come from? <laughs> do you get my point? Do they still make your type? Are you an archaic woman? Be a modern woman. That's how people are invited into iniquity. How do I know it's the right thing? The Bible says so. That's all. That's all. You understand my point? I'm talking about, you know, approving the things that are what? Excellent. When it comes to words like that also. There are things we deliberately learn. You've seen my example before. I mean, everybody used to play pre-folk. 
Then one day, I read my Bible. And it says, it's like a madman. Casting firebrands and arrows. Let's, let me explain what I'm trying to say. It's like arrows, firebrands and arrows is how people fought those days. Do you get my point? You hear the Bible talks about, the Bible will talk about, um, um, shield of faith with which you do what? Quench the fairy darts. That's it. Firebrands. Fiery, fire-tipped arrows. So, the modern word, therefore, is like a madman shooting at random. So it's one who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? Now, it doesn't sound natural, does it? No, it does not sound natural. But the Bible says that is how it should be. So the day I read it, I stopped playing April Fool. Do you follow my point? That is why, remember what I'm discussing is what? Acceptable words. Do you know how you greet somebody in the morning? There's a biblical prescription for it. Say, don't greet your neighbor loud. (laughs) If you want to bless somebody, don't stay on the road and be blessing the person from afar. That's what the Bible is saying. Or oh, if you surprise some people, it's in scriptures like that. The words to use, you know, how you respond even when you are rebuked. God has prescribed those words. Even told, uh, told Timothy, you yeah, are the pastor of this church, modern word pastor, but so he was more like an apostle those days, representing Paul. All right? But you are the pastor of the church. He said, somebody is making, doing what is wrong, rebuke him sharply, openly, in front of everybody. He said, but if he's an elder, no. I was talking about elder, I was not talking about leaders of the church. What he meant is that if an older person is a member of your church, being pastor does not give you a right to talk to your seniors anyhow. He said, do not rebuke an elder sharply. You will call him and say, ah, uh, Mr. John, please, I would like to see you after service. He said, you implore him like a father. You sit him down, explain to him, sir, people coming late is not good, you know. Like, but if he's younger than you, say, you came, come, stay outside there. If you come in, you can shout to him. He said, no problem. Where's an elder? No, you talk to him after service. You talk to him, you, 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 you entreat him like a father. Prescription on how you talk. How you greet people. How are you? It's not scriptural greeting. It's English culture. <laughs> How are you? It's not a greeting. It's a question. What is the biblical greeting? Peace be unto you. The Bible expects you to prophesy to people. Bless people. When you get to a house, you say, peace be upon this home. Ah, I tell you, Christianity is what? Radical. What is, how are you? That's the question. Even me, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I fall for it. Just don't remember this, how are you? It's a question. There are times where, a, a, I mean, you really are making an inquiry. Are you getting my point? I mean, how was your exam? If you want to know, how did it go? But you might have not seen it. Well, you just say, ah, you know, Englishman say, how do you do? How do you do? That's it, you know? 
Confusion, confusion. There's nothing. When you get, if you want to make a request, make an inquiry, make an inquiry. It's not a greeting. Whoever's a greeting, please bless the person. You've heard it, you know, the way Muslims greet is how? Salam alaikum. I have a friend, that's how he greets. I said, Are you a Muslim? He said, No. It's a greeting. And he thinks it's not an Islamic greeting. It's actually the you know, Arabic equivalent, equivalent of shalom. Salam. That for them is the same thing as shalom. So you call me on the phone, they say, Salam alaikum, sir. I said, Are you a Muslim? And I said, No. It means peace be unto you. And that's how Christians should greet. It's a blessing. It's a prophetic way of speaking. You declare the word of God, the peace of God into the person's life. When I started greeting people, it is well with you. It was a deliberate thing. I didn't hear anybody say it. I deliberately, at least I made up my mind. Henceforth, this is how I will greet. I will tell people, it is well with you. Let me add another one to it. We're talking about greetings briefly. You know I'm talking about acceptable words, right? Somebody's traveling. Don't tell the person, bye-bye. You know why? It doesn't have any meaning. He's going to go whether you say bye-bye or not. Bye-bye just means get out of here. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Does it mean more than that? Goodbye is even better if you put the good. Bye-bye, meaningless. But let's even be more prophetic. Have a safe journey. You know, safe journey is even good, but I, I, I don't like to use the word safe journey. Let somebody know you are praying for him. You are praying for her. Somebody wants to travel. Say, have a safe journey. Have a safe trip. The Lord go with you. I hope you're getting my point. You tell the fellow, you will return safely. The peace of God upon your journey. Find words. Listen, do you know the truth? God has written these words down. There are not things we are managing, that we, are, we are conjuring up. There are words he has written down. If I find a pregnant woman, I want to greet you. I always send you to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 9. <laughs> there are words in the Bible used to greet people. I told you when my children, when I draw them off in school in the morning, when my wife or, or me will tell them, have a, have a blessed day. They've learned, you don't say, thank you. I'm not your friend. Even if I was your friend. Now I'm your father, I'm prophesying for you. I'm your mother, I'm telling you how your day will go. So have a blessed day. So the answer, amen. It's a prayer. It's a prayer, it's not a wish. Christians are prophetic people. They are prophetic people. Sometimes, you know, you hear people who are very negative human beings. Government will say something. That government is planning to do something and it thinks sounds good. The average Nigerian response is that, hmm, that's how they say it now. They will soon eat the money. That is a sin, and if any Christian says that, he will be judged for it. There are things you should say. Say, as you have said in our hearing, so you will do. You command the atmosphere. Say, Lord, they are ensnared by the words of their mouth. So that even if the man didn't want to do it, he will do it. If he tries to eat the money, he will choke. But when we all, you know, unanimously gather and say, this is what they say, it never works. Government is making road, this road, it will not last. The road can't last. 
If enough of the remnants of God in the earth say it will not last, it will not last. You've heard the story, I've, I've not confided in myself, but it's a very beautiful illustration of one of, of some island men, how they, when they will see a big tree and they want to remove the tree from where it is, that they will surround the tree and curse it. And the tree will die. They just gather around the tree. They don't come with you know, weapons or just mouth. They just take a few days, speak words against the tree. You may think it is juju, but many of the things you call juju, there's nothing juju about it. It's called spiritualism. It's just operating spiritual codes, spiritual laws, spiritual principles. You speak words against something. So, I mean, your government wants to do something. I'm not, listen, you must understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying judge their intentions. I'm saying declare words. The words that can kill trees. The words that Jesus said can move mountains. Listen, everybody that occupies a position over you, he's been anointed by God to serve you. I don't know what I heard I said. Like I said earlier, you're a wife, your husband is anointed. It's your job to go and activate his anointing. You are a citizen. Your president is anointed. Make up your mind whether you want to activate his anointing or you want to kill it. I made a statement here some time ago that the way my countrymen were behaving, let's understand spiritual principles. I said, if you make Jesus Christ the head of the state, you couldn't do many things for them. He said, ah. I said, look, as minister of power, he will not be able to give them constant power. They said, what do I mean by that? I said, the Bible says that he went to his hometown and he could do no mighty work. Was he not anointed? He was anointed. So there's a way we respond to situations and God's power is crippled. It's the word of God. So there's a present over your head. It's your duty to activate his anointing every day. If he fails, let it be a problem between him and his God so that you will not be held responsible at all. After all, God told Ezekiel, if I tell, him, I tell, tell you, go and warn a man, and then the man dies in his sins, I will inquire of his blood from your hand if he did not warn him. But if you warn him, basically, you free yourself even if he still dies. That is, sometimes you do what is right, ultimately, the thing does not go well. But at least you have done what is right. Let's be held responsible you know, for the thing going wrong. Being one of those who ruined it in the first place. So government says something. There are words prescribed by God that we use to respond. We greet each other. There are words we are supposed to greet each other with. I hope you're getting my point here. Now these words, that's what I'm talking about. We learn them deliberately. That's what, you know, all this one we'll be talking about what? Being deliberate. He said, now, how do I greet my children in the morning? How do I speak to them? You learn those words and write them down until you have memorized them. It becomes your habit. It becomes your habit. Those are the things we call acceptable words. Acceptable with God doesn't mean passable. Okay, we can manage it. No, what are the things that I want you to say? That's the meaning of the word acceptable. What are the things I have instructed that you should say? Let me go back to something I said earlier. Retrain yourself not to enjoy that which is bad. Retrain yourself. So that that which is negative, it doesn't rhyme with you. Some time ago, you know, people make a lot of mockery about marriage. You know, all kinds of jokes about marriage. I realized that nine out of ten of those jokes are 
Which word do I use in English? When, you know, when you're just describing something in a bad way. So one day I made up my mind, I'm not going to laugh anymore. So when you crack a bad joke about marriage, I just don't laugh. It's funny, I can't I can't I'm not laughing. <laughs> there was a time they they compiled a lot of them. And you know, people were following that around. Very, very funny thing. And I laughed. Then one day they say, Wait, why are you laughing? What is funny? One man said, I'll be my wife and I will go out. We have a, you know, how do you have a good marriage like this? Say so we'll go out to the movies twice a week. I go on Tuesday, she goes on Thursdays. And you will laugh and laugh. After a while, I said, Thank you. Why, why are you laughing at what is bad? So I made up my mind, I'm not laughing again. So when I read the jokes, I don't forward them. Oh, I don't. You won't get such things from me. I, feel before, I, I, I just felt, I said, listen, before you know what's happening, you are passing the information out there that marriage is to be endured. And you create an atmosphere. And when you create an atmosphere, okay, listen, the kind of atmosphere you create around you, very important, the kind of atmosphere you create around you, in your life, in your environment, that is your community, it affects what God can do for you. It affects what God can do for you. Jesus wanted to heal a man who was blind, dragged him by the hand out of the, out of the town. When he finished praying for him, he said, don't go back inside there. You think there's, there's no reason for that? He, want, he will have prayed for that man. You think he likes to waste time, move up and down. He said, inside this town, you can't get healed. The atmosphere they have created, the atmosphere these people have created is so spiritually toxic, my power can't flow to this extent. So he told the man, come, follow me. They left the town. You now lay hands on him. What do you see? I see men as trees. So let's do it again. Pray for the man. Then power flow in the full dose. And the man could see. And I said, listen to me. Don't go back into that city. Into that village. Or is it a town or something? Why? If he went back in there, he would have lost his sight. So sometimes by the words we speak, we create such a toxic atmosphere. <laughs> listen, don't listen. Let me just say something here. In, our, in, a, in, in a nation like Nigeria today, from the, the, uh, the understanding I have of life, if somebody chooses to be a leader, respect him. Respect him. The people are hard to lead. They are hard to lead. One day I told my colleagues in the teaching hospital there, I said, listen, if anybody agrees to be our chief medical director, the second in command to him, Provost or dean, they should be respected. I said, you people are difficult to lead. I said, they should be respected. Whatever be their reason for wanting the job, I give them thumbs up. Because except the Lord says to me, Banky, my son, arise. This is a mission for you. I will not take the job. I won't take it because they will not let you succeed. The toxic atmosphere. Listen, if God gives me the power, I will sack every civil servant first. And then they go and reapply. I will sack you first. I'm not kidding. No. Then you reapply for the job. I would, you, no, no, it's not because, because, you see, the typical civil servant mindset in our country of today is terrible. Cut 15 naira from their salary, they'll go on strike. But they won't come to work on time or close at the proper time. Yes, see them demand for rights. Jesus. The point I'm making is that 
a lot of people create toxic atmosphere around. Then they demand of the leaders operating a toxic atmosphere to succeed. That's what I'm talking about. We create such a toxic atmosphere, then demand, ah, hey, look at Israel. With all the miracles God had done for them. Ha, God had, listen, to take them into the promised land, he had to wipe them out. It sounds funny. To take them in, he had to wipe them out. It wiped the whole generation out. Then the next generation now followed Joshua in. He said, these people, no matter how much power I have with you, giants will kill all of you. Because the atmosphere they have that, that these people have created uh, is too toxic. Nothing good can come out of it. And as I'm teaching to believers today, to create the right atmosphere, we use our learned words. We go and learn the right words to speak. There is a, look, listen, even how to, how to greet somebody good night. We Christians must learn the right thing. Have a good night. And of course, you know, like he said, because he has said, therefore we can boldly say, that is, we go to the scriptures, from what he has said, we we'll declare what we are going to use as our greetings, as our responses to situations, based on what he has said. For example, he says, in peace you will lie down and sleep, for the Lord alone makes you dwell in safety. No evil will befall you, no plague will come near your dwelling place. You put those scriptures together, juggle them around, form a short greeting from it. Sometimes we can become verbose in our greetings. It's the will of God. So the angels of God will watch over you. That can be our, we say that's our standard greeting. For night, once tell somebody good night, say, sleep well, the angels of God will watch over you. Don't abbreviate it. <laughs> so that is the full thing. That is our greeting. Acceptable words. Your child is going for exam. Greetings. Ah. The spirit of Daniel. The spirit of Joseph. The spirit of excellence that God placed in these people will be with you. Acceptable words. They are to be learned deliberately. We school ourselves in those words. Our greetings shouldn't be inquiries. When you want to make an inquiry, make an inquiry. But when you want to greet, please greet. Peace be unto you. Uh, don't you see the way Paul used to open his letters? He would declare the grace of God upon people. Now we use the grace of God to end meetings. It was a greeting as far as Paul was concerned. It wasn't to end meetings. The grace of the Lord be with your spirit. That is, you come to see him in the house as you are going. Say, the grace of God be with your spirit. What it means is that overcome temptations, overcome trials, overcome challenges. Fulfill the ministry of God that has placed in your life. That's what it means by that short sentence. The grace of God be with you. And they go, see you now. That's not Christianity. <laughs> oh, I get my point. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. First person I'm going, said the grace of God goes with you. And the person will respond, Amen. Listen, when blessings are released, learn to collect them. I've told you before, somebody said, God bless you, and you too. That is a stupid answer. A stupid answer. God bless you, and you too. They're bouncing the blessing back. If I tell you, God bless you, me, and you too. I just look, you say, I just dashed you. It's like, somebody dashed you 1,000 naira. I say, I give the person 1,000 naira back. Do you get my friend? It's a very, very stupid answer. Someone tells you, God bless you. 
Amen. And listen, when is your senior? Don't bless him by walking away. Don't bless him back. When they God bless you, tell him, Amen. And you go. You don't. <laughs> when your senior, you say, ah, We'll be praying for you, sir. Not a man tells you, God bless you, say, and you too. Learn to bless people when you are greeting them. And when you have been blessed, please collect the blessing. Collect it. You know, Jesus said, when you get to a house, say to them, peace be upon this house. He lets you know that that blessing can return. He said, if a man of peace is there, your blessing will remain. Your peace will remain. But if he's not there, what will happen? It will return to you. What does that tell you? A blessing release can be bounced back. And remember, experts are bouncing back blessings. Somebody said something the other day. I mean, I learned something. Like I said, we keep on learning. Before, if I go to a church, maybe I'm carrying my Bible, and someone says, I want to carry it for you. You understand? They say, no, I say, no, 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 I can carry my own Bible. Somebody now said, if they are young people, let them serve. Since that day, so if you're an elder, you carry my Bible, I will refuse. But a young person wants to carry my Bible, I give it to you. I give you my handkerchief. Remove my shoe. Hold on. <laughs> No, before it was humility, I just wanted to look. Let me do my, I can carry my own Bible. And some parents said, look, bless the young people. And when he said it, I said, oh, I didn't see it from that perspective before. So when the young person now offers to carry my bag, I release it. Take it, because it's a blessing I just gave you. Before I would have carried it myself, until I got that instruction. Talking about acceptable words, there are things we believers will learn. We learn how, to, as husbands and wives, uh, and husbands and wives, we learn how to address each other. As parents and children, we learn the words that are good, and we make them a habit. In the second, in the institutions around us, we learn how to respond. If you know, listen. If you are not feeling well, somebody says, "How are you doing?" You can learn a biblical way to answer that will not like this. How do I say it? It won't be like you're joking. You know, sometimes we turn some things to jokes. All right? <laughs> no, it is well, it's even good. If you say it is well, it is good. But I don't like things like, I am strong. Personal, that's just personal. But if, if it works for you, fine. There's nothing wrong with like, I am not feeling well, but I am getting better. To me, I think it's okay. Now, the power of God is working in me. I was, I was feeling very down yesterday, but I'm getting better. You know what they have found out in this life? Now it's, it's both prophetic and testimony. You will always get better. Say amen. amen. Even though you are down, you will rise up again. Amen. I don't care how long you have been down, you will rise up again. Amen. There are times I don't feel well, but you know what? I always expect to get well. Always, always, 100% of the times. If a doctor is handling my case, he go frustrated. I will frustrate you with hope. That is, there's nothing you want to tell me that, ah, let's go and check. Once this thing sounds negative, say, don't worry, doctor, you won't find it. If you find that, say, it didn't look well. Me, I will live long. These are just things we learn. Are you getting my point? I'm talking about acceptable words. Believers must learn acceptable words. 
Know that, listen to this, know, know that anytime you're talking, your words are being gathered. First, they are being recorded. I hope you, are you getting my point. Yeah, they are determining things in your life. The words that you speak, they are being recorded. Israel spoke negative words in God's presence. And those words were used against the whole nation. When Job was being tempted, what everybody was listening out for was the word or the words that he would speak. That's what they were listening out for. Angels were keen to hear. Satan, that was the only thing he was there for. To see what he will say. Just to check what the man will say. And I want you to bear it in mind. That's how your life is also. You can apply for a job and that's the fifth one you're applying for. And you get declined. Now, you could respond the way everybody responds. Please listen to this. Now, I said the first thing we said is that you must learn to interpret your life according to the word of God. And actually, when we're talking about people speaking... Is based on all the things that we have seen up to this point. So I'm being refused a job. Listen, they are listening out for what you are going to say. The average man will say, that's the problem with this country. Young men can't find jobs. As you have said in his hearing, bam. You've closed your ability to find a job. Or you could simply reply, blessings are commanded. The job that is mine has my name on it and nobody can deny me. This obviously was not mine. Are you seeing that? Responding to the same situation. I hope you're getting my point. Somebody has been saying, okay, or you could say that, no problem, mine is on the way. I'll keep preparing for what God has for me. Just, and listen to what I'm going to say. Go and learn. You know, sometimes when we're learning faith, we learn only how to declare, I claim it, I claim it, I claim it. What about when I'm denied? Because being denied is part of life. It is not fair to think you will never be denied. Listen to me. In life, you will be denied sometimes. People came to Jesus. Let's sit on the, your left and your right. He said, sorry. No game. I can't grant that one. Paul came to God. Take this stone away from me. Sometimes we twisted those things. Because we didn't believe that God could do that. Paul, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So relax. Paul said, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. What if you are denied? It happens. Moses went to God and begged. Let me see the promised land. Let me enter it. The Lord said, don't worry about it. You're not going in. He came a second time. The Lord said, I said you are not going. It came a third time. The Lord said, this is the last time you bring up the matter. It's sealed. That is, you are not even allowed to request for it again, ever. People get denied. Who says that? You know, I said that God never says no. I, you see, I, I, I've heard that gospel for a long time. I tried to believe it at the time. But experience alone, of course, first, there's no good father that never says no. Even the Bible qualifies it. Abide in me. You understand? My words abide in you. Then you will ask what you will. Do you get my point? The Lord Jesus made it clear, all right, that it's only as the word has formed your desires that there's guarantee for the answer. So unless you are telling me you are 100% perfect and you know everything there is to know as a believer, otherwise you will make requests sometimes 
that God has no choice for your own interest than to say no. There are times I will look and say, ha. Experience has shown me that there are things I asked the Lord for some time ago. I started looking back and said, Lord, thank you for not listening to me. So faith does not mean I always get the yes. Part of faith is for me to have words to say if the answer is no. How do I respond? That's what we are talking about. 